Through every season of my life 
Longing for 
harvest if we faint not. Jesus is going to be so worth the wait. It's running after me 
this morning. Uh, go around and greet your family of faith. Good morning. Whoa. I'm safe now? Oh, there we are. Wow. Well, that'll wake you up a little bit. It's good to have you. Sorry about that. Well, good morning. It's good to have you this morning. We'll take up tithe and offering in just a second. I know they're getting their kids checked into kids' church. But it is good to have you today. If you, if you need a tithing offering envelope, they're in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. We appreciate your giving. Um, uh, a little financial uh, highlight for you is, um, if you were here Wednesday, I said this, but uh, we're coming up in a, real soon here. They're going to... Uh, jump in our, our renter's roof is getting replaced uh, new shingles over there and they're soon going to get ready to uh, replace our roof which uh, we took up a thanksgiving offering last year for that went towards that so there'll be some construction happening around here so you're aware of that but we appreciate your giving and uh we know that god is going to do with what comes in more than we could ever ask or think amen and that we believe that the kingdom is advanced in so many different ways, and, and we believe that uh, in a certain way that, that the good stewardship of the finances of the house go towards 
be advancing what God is up to. We want to be on what God is up to, not trying to create our own stuff. Isn't that right? And we want to catch his heart. So, so the finances that come in, and part of that is that we're constantly praying for wisdom and good stewardship with the money that comes into the church, not to be frivolous with it or anything like that, but do things that get in on what God is up to. So you're aware of that. That's our attitude about the finances of the church. So let, let me pray as you give this morning. Lord, we thank you to be able to come to your house, to, to be with you this morning, to be in worship with you. And I praise you as we give this morning uh, that the increase of our lives is is just one way that we see the goodness of who you are. And, and Lord, that we do have this day our daily bread, and we thank you for that. And as the increase comes and we give from our increase, Lord, that we believe that what comes into the church, Lord, is, is in good stewardship and, and it's used as led by the Spirit. And we thank you for your leading in those things. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. amen. So if you have something, you can bring it on down. And... Um, I do have a handful of announcements this morning, so a handful of things are going on around here, so you're aware. Um, don't forget, church-wide prayer happens every Monday from 6 to 7 right here in the house. So uh, if you haven't ever been to a church-wide prayer, we believe in prayer. It's the foundation for everything that we do. So come on out tomorrow night from 6 to 7. Uh, the, there's an outing that was put together for the Midwest uh, shooting range. That that day has been moved to November the 10th. It was the 29th of this month. Oh, I'm sorry, November 12th. So it's been moved to November 12th. So if you have questions about that, Tom's in the back. Wave your hand around, Tom. Go see him about that. He's got a paper with all the uh, costs and things like that. So see Tom about that. Um, there is a, a children and youth event coming up on September 28th. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It says November in my thing. I've got to change that. So it's not November of 2023, or it's 22. So last year. So anyways, it's October 28th, 530 to 8, all ages here. And then uh, after that, at 8 o'clock, everybody fifth grade and below heads out. Then fifth through 12th grade, it's a lock-in overnight. If you have questions about that, you can see Amanda. Wave your hand around, Amanda. Or Kenzie, who's down with the kids. And I also would love some volunteers to help out with the event. So uh, it'd be different things going on. So again, if you're interested in volunteering and helping with the kids part, you can see Amanda. Or if you're interested in, I know this is like, uh, you know, one of those definite callings of Jesus. But if you're interested in doing the lock-in overnight, uh, you can see Amanda about that also. Uh, they need some help just to put that event on, and it'll be a good time. So uh, please see them about that. Uh, next thing is, on November the 6th after church, we have what we call Next Steps. And Next Steps is, if you're interested in becoming what we would say a member of this church, it's just a time after church where we can get, get some food, we can get to know you, you can get to know Margo and I, just spend some time together telling you more about the church and who we are and how we do what we do and all that kind of business. So if you're interested in that, there's a sign-up sheet at the back. Uh, please sign up for that. And by the way, uh, for the kids' outing and different things, there's sign-ups at the back for all of those things. Please get your names on uh, for things like that. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a couple more. This coming Wednesday, Tori, wave your hand around. Tori's heading us up. So if you want information, please see Tori about this. There is no sign-up for this. But we're, we're starting uh, this Wednesday. I, I don't remember how many weeks it runs. But during church, after worship, I'm still doing my message. And, and we're actually in uh, the armor of God on Wednesday nights. We started this past Wednesday. But if you want to, you can, I want to say opt out of that message. But you can join a small group that Tori's leading called Out of the Cave. And it deals with 
depression and anxiety and things of that nature. So if you're interested in that small group, when worship's over, you'll connect up with Tori. They'll meet somewhere. And please let her know. Again, there's no sign up, but let her know that you're going to be there for that. And uh, this time of year, we were talking about this a little bit. I, I mentioned this. This time of year, uh, you, you got uh, Thanksgiving coming up and you got Christmas. And for, for a lot of people, this is the best time of year, but for a lot of people, it's not. And, and I, even, even I think Tori was saying, you know, for some people, uh, it is the best time, but it's at the same time, not. It's like this duality. But uh, this is the time of the year uh, when depression and worry and anxiety, overwhelming anxiety, is the most prevalent of this season of the year. And it, it's, not, it's not only uh, connected to loneliness, but, but we have things when the time changes, it gets dark earlier. There's so many different things that play into this. So that's what this small group is about. So we want to take time and, and uh, just maybe have a small group for those that want to talk about it and, and those kind of things. So please see Tori if you're interested in that. And I'll, I'll quit there. All right, so got your Bibles, go ahead and get it out. I'm glad you're here today. If you've got them, open up to the book of Matthew. Uh, we, we have a, a, a sound team sign-up that we had out a while ago if you're interested in, in helping out with our sound team. Uh, Tom can meet you after church for a few minutes today if you're here. So if you remember that, see Tom, okay? All right, Matthew chapter 4. And verse number 1. We, we're in a series, this is week number 3, of a series entitled Encounters with Jesus. I believe that Jesus desires to have moments with us that mark our lives. Okay? And these moments that Jesus has with us, not only mark our lives, but there's the possibility of life change. I don't believe that life with Jesus leaves you as you are. He takes you somewhere. And it is learning, ultimately, it's learning what it means to live abundant life in him. Not only forgiven of sin, which is the problem, but set free from sin. But what does it mean to be set free from sin? Now, now we're talking what abundant life is about and learning and growing and being on this life journey with him where he will change you. And part of that, and I think a lot of it is it's very subtle, just following Jesus with your life. There, there's subtle things that are happening that kind of culminate over time. But there are also, I believe, moments of encounters with him that can leave you absolutely changed. I believe that. So we've been talking about some of these encounters we find in the gospel, but I'm, I'm going to go an entirely different way with this today, okay? So we'll get back uh, to maybe what, kind of where we've been the last couple of weeks. But I'm going to go a different way because today, this encounter with Jesus was not with a person who left chains, but it was with somebody who tried to change Jesus. And we're going to talk about the temptation of Jesus with the devil in the wilderness today. So Matthew chapter 4. And verse number one. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter, the devil, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, He answered, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's a quote out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Within the context, 
of the manna being provided in the wilderness. Okay, so that's what that's drawing on. In verse 5, And the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. This is really interesting. Here comes the devil quoting the Bible. Pretty interesting. And this comes out of pieces from Psalm chapter 91. He will command his angels concerning you, and their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And that, that's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. But the quote of not putting the Lord your God to the test actually is drawn out of the wilderness experience when the Israelites were groaning that they were thirsty and God gave them water from the rock. And in that, it, it, it's kind of an interesting thing that one of the things that they said about this, the, the complaining of the Israelites, they said, is the Lord among us or not? That's what they were saying. They're, they're in the wilderness. They're thirsty. Is God really with us or not? And the response comes, don't put the Lord your God to the test. That's what that's drawing from. Verse 7. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 8. And, and the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Again, drawing from Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now, this same account in, in the Gospel of Luke, it ends with it saying, And when the devil had finished tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So, in other words, the enemy wasn't done trying to tempt our Lord and Savior throughout his life. Okay? This is a very fascinating passage of Scripture, I think. So you have Jesus, who, uh, as Luke, again, Luke adds something at the beginning of it, saying being full of the power of the Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So here's Jesus, after his baptism full of the power of the Spirit, ready to begin his ministry. But before he actually begins doing the teaching and the, and the miracles and all these signs, he ends up in the desert for 40 days with the devil being tempted by him. Very interesting passage of Scripture. That literally the devil in some shape, some manner, tempted him. Whether he was there in physical form, whether it was temptations through the mind of Jesus, whatever you want to think of here, it doesn't specifically say but Jesus is literally tempted by the devil himself. Now, if you were here Wednesday, we sort of talked about this a little bit because this whole uh, Ephesians chapter 6, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? That the devil has his schemes, and there's principalities and powers and all these different things. It's the unseen realm that we don't see that is just as real as what we do see and what our five senses do perceive. But the enemy is real. The devil is literally a being, an entity, 
It, 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 the devil, Satan, these are not words for some way of looking at, well, there's bad stuff in the world, things we would call evil, so let's give it a name. It's the devil. No, no, no. He is real. And he has plans, and he has schemes. Obviously, he's got plans and schemes. He wanted to tempt Lord Jesus himself. It's very interesting about this whole 40 days in, in the wilderness. Now, so in Jewish culture, the wilderness, the devil, uh, I'm sorry, the wilderness and, and the desert symbolized places where evil spirits kind of hung out and had their, had their way. So Jesus being taken to the desert to be tempted by the devil, evil, right? We find this mirroring and actually draws on a couple things in the temptations of Israel being in the desert for 40 years, remember? They had been set free from Pharaoh in slavery. They're brought through the Red Sea. Now we start to see types and analogies of Jesus and fulfilling the vocation of Israel. So Israel goes through the Red Sea, Jesus is baptized. Israel finds itself for 40 years in the wilderness where it's tempted. And by the way, they fail in their temptations because remember, a whole generation had to die off before they could go in the promised land. But now we find Jesus in fulfillment of these vocations. Now he's being tempted in a desert, in a wilderness, but yet he passes the test. And when he comes back from passing the test where Israel had failed, he begins his ministry. And the kingdom of God is literally launched with his teaching and the signs that point towards the kingdom, culminating his cross and certainly the resurrection and things that happen afterwards. But the temptations themselves, this encounter with Jesus that the devil has, are very interesting. They, they can teach us some things. But I do want to say this. The devil is going to tempt you also. Do you know that? It's a very real fact. But I want to show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is not what we're talking about today, but I want, I want to throw this in there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse number 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. For God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to do what? Endure it. Okay, so fact, you will be tempted. But also fact, you will never be tempted beyond what you can bear that God does not provide the way out for you. Therefore, when you are tempted and you find yourself in some sort of sin, guess what? Can, and we were talking about this Wednesday, can the enemy force you to give in to temptation? No. So when we find ourselves giving in to some level or, or transgressing in some way because of temptation, it happened because of our free will choice to do so. But see, God, notice what it, What's written there? God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. As a matter of fact, he'll provide a way out for you if you look for it enough to find it. Isn't that right? And we find with Jesus, the way out was standing firm, 
understanding that the devil was there in temptation, standing firm, but relying on things that God has said. Isn't that right? God's faithful. Uh, the book of Hebrews talked about Jesus and that, that he's this wonderful high priest. First, you know why? He was tempted in every way just as we are. That, that's the Savior we serve. He came and lived this life, and he didn't live it in a bubble as the Son of God. He lived in the fullness of his humanity. We see he was literally tempted here by the devil. As it says in Luke, that even after this, the devil just didn't leave him alone until another opportune time. Some things probably happened. Jesus was tempted just like we are. And he set the pattern for us that we don't have to live continually falling into the temptations of the enemy, but we can live a life in the power of the Spirit. Now, as I said, go, go to Luke chapter 4. Let me just highlight something. I know we're, we'll get to the temptations in just a second. But let me just show you something. Luke chapter 4. I mentioned this, but let me read this. I want to make a point here. It said, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. What was Jesus full of before he found himself in temptation? The Spirit. You have an opportunity to be full of the Spirit in such a way that you can stand strong in the face of temptation. You've got to stay filled up. You've got to stay filled up. And you stay filled up by simply your daily connection with him in the worship and the word and your daily commitment to take up your cross and follow him. Allow yourself to stay full enough that when temptation comes to your life, you can stand firm. Temptation sometimes has to do with moral things like sin, straight out. But temptation also has to do with just not doing the will and the ways of God in this world. You, you can stay free of, of certain sins in your life, but still not be living in the ways of God. And we're going to find this in the temptations of Jesus because these temptations were not in sin. It wasn't like, and maybe he was tempted, it wasn't like the devil tried to tempt him into some sort of fornication. It's about turning stones into bread. What's sinful about that? It's about throwing yourself off the pinnacle of the temple just to prove who you are because the angels will attend to you. It was about, well, this one turns into sin, but worshiping something other than God. Sometimes temptations are very subtle and aren't just straight out that's very obvious. Well, it's obvious for me to have an adulterous affair. That's sin. That's easy. I know that. But another thing to be tempted to live in a way that I want to bring into my faith, but it's really not picking up my cross and following him. Trying to gain the whole world and still save my soul kind of thing. And it doesn't end up that way. Because if you try to gain the whole world, you'll probably lose your soul. That's just the way that works. So here's the temptation. Matthew chapter 4. Let's go back there. Temptation is very specific to Jesus. So let's go back to uh, verse number three. And a tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So here's the first thing that we can learn. 
is that we do not satisfy the flesh. We don't live to satisfy the flesh, but we live by the words of God. Jesus was fasting 40 days. Have you ever fasted before? You can fast for a single day, and you're going to be hungry. Jesus was on a 40-day fast. That's a long time. And getting into this fast in this time, he's hungry. And for whatever reason, he was called, he was led by the Spirit. Notice the Scripture said, led to do it, okay? Don't jump into things like long fast unless you're led by the Spirit to do it. It's not legalistic, but it's Spirit-led for certain reasons, right? He's led by, he's hungry. So the temptation comes. See all these stones that are laying here? Why don't you turn them into bread to satisfy your flesh to go away from the leading of the Spirit in your life? You see that? Now, again, is it sin? Would it have been sinful for Jesus to take a stone and turn it into a piece of bread? Probably not. What's sinful about that? He's hungry. But by a, a Spirit-led time in his life to do things that are different turns into living a way outside of the leading of the Holy Spirit, and that's a temptation that we face. We don't live by the cravings of our flesh, but we live by the words of God. You know that. Again, your flesh and the cravings of your flesh can show up in a lot of different ways, a lot of different ways. But you don't live life for satisfaction. That eventually gets you off the ways of God. You live life in the words of God and the leading of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because your life source isn't things you can intake into your body, food and drink and these different kinds of things. Your life source is the word of God or what has God said. If we want to then reflect on to Jesus, the Gospel of John, he declares, I am the bread of life. Amen. Remember uh, the encounter we talked about last week, the woman at the well, uh, Samaritan woman at the well. Whoever comes to me will never be thirsty again. See that? You can you, you get water from this well. You'll get, you'll get thirsty later today. But whoever lives in me will never find themselves thirsty again. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells us in his Sermon on Mount, Matthew 6, Listen, don't worry about all the things that those who don't know God chase after. If God cares enough to, to close the grass of the field, how much more will he take care of you? And even all the nice clothes you can get, and, and if you can't tell this at this time of year with the leaves changing and all the prettiness, and we saw the flowers of the summer and the beautiful trees that are coming out in fall. If, if God can do this, which is much better than anything you can put on your body and wear. He's going to take care of you. Don't stress and worry about these things. Don't live life satisfying your flesh. It's not just about sinful cravings of the flesh, but it's also about things that we desire and want to have. Live by the words of God. And in that, the Bible says, then he will add these things unto you anyways, right? He will give you this day your daily bread, He'll provide for you. But don't lose sight of the kingdom and the words of God to chase after things in life. Amen. Temptation of the enemy. And, and by the way, there, all of these temptations are a little side thing to this. 
These are all temptations trying to get Jesus to bypass the cross. And we'll find out very specifically with the last temptation. Because one thing that he could have done, and we see this with the feeding of the loaves and the fish a couple different times that happened with the, with the multitudes. They started following him because he was giving them something to eat. He could have very much went after setting up the kingdom by ultimate provision. But then if that's what we chase him for, that's the desire of our heart, and that's really what our kingdom's about. You see that? He, he, he could have looked at every stone out there and turned it into bread, sort of like the manna in the wilderness. He said, hey, everybody, come eat. Then I'm the one who did this. Follow me. He could set up a kingdom that way. But that's not the desire of the Father, as we see with the last temptation we'll get to. All right, second temptation. Then he took him to the holy city on the pinnacle of the temple. Notice he keeps saying, if you're the son of God. Isn't that just how the devil works? If, did, did, did you ever feel like something saying to you, are you really God's child? Does he really care for you? Do you think he's really going to take care of this for you? Is he really going to provide? You see that? If you are the son of God, don't ever listen to that voice that questions your standing with God. Don't ever listen to it. If you are the son of God. No, 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 no. We know he's the son of God. And the enemy was trying to put stuff in his mind right there. Don't ever listen to that voice. He will try to get you to start to question your relationship with God. Then we start, you know, we start doing this is what this is about. Then we start demanding his faithfulness. You see, didn't that happen? When you start to question this relationship, then you start demanding his faithfulness. This is what he did. Watch. Throw yourself down. Because the Bible says, Psalm 91, that if you did that, that the angels wouldn't even let your foot strike against the stone. Verse 7. Again, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And remember, the context of that is, is God really among us? That's the Israelites in the wilderness. Here's the second thing we can learn from this. We do not need to test God's faithfulness. We do not need to test it. Is God there whether or not you perceive that he's there? Absolutely. Is God faithful even when it feels like things aren't working out? Is God going to come through in the way that he said he's going to come through? But you can't manipulate him. You can't force him. It's not our job to put him to the test. It, that'd be like me saying, okay, I'm a child of God, and God said he, he's my ever-present help in the time of trouble. We can say all this different stuff, and I'm going to go walk out in front of a bus and see what's going to happen. Not a wise idea. That I am not to put God to the test. That in this moment, Jesus is simply trusting who he knows his father to be. And that goes a long way in living the Christian life. 
that we learn to trust the faithfulness of God in his wisdom, in his timing, in his ways that are above our ways, that it is not our job to try to force him into action. You'll come up empty if you do that, I think. That, that we try to force him by saying, okay, God, I'm going to pray five extra minutes today if you'll just do this for me. How many of you were in school? You remember this. This is me. Lord, if you'll just help me pass this test, I will serve you all the day. How many ever did things like that? You just put God to the test. You're trying to get him to do something. What we do is we stand on the word and let God be God and do what he's going to do because he is going to ultimately be faithful. How many of you ever... Uh, read the books The Line of Witch in the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis, or have you seen the movies? They made movies with them. And in the books, Jesus, in the movies, Jesus is depicted as Aslan, a lion, a big lion, right? And I don't remember which one it was, and the movie was a little different than the book, which drives me crazy, but whatever. Um, Aslan was walking on a beach, and, and he, he goes away. And the people that were talking made this comment, but he's not a tame lion. In other words, you can't take God, you can't take Jesus, you can't take the Holy Spirit, put him in a box and control it. He's not tame like that. He is the God of the universe in all his fierceness. And he can speak things into existence and, and they, they go and they happen. But we stay in his word and we believe and we know that his word and what he has said, he will be faithful to it. You don't have to put him to the test. Don't try. But live by his words and let him be God because he will do as he is to do. Amen? Okay, second thing we can learn from that. All right, here's the last temptation. And the devil took him up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And obviously, that's not necessarily possible, but something's happening here beyond just the, the literal uh, physical thing of the moment. And he saw all the glory of them. And the devil said to Jesus, all these I will give to you. Now, wait a second. How does the devil have this to give? When Adam and Eve fell in sin in the garden, because of sin, the prince of the power of the air was given authority over this world. Right? That's why sin abounds. So he has a certain level of authority in things because sin entered the world. So he promised to give these to Jesus if Jesus would fall down and worship him. And this is a blatant temptation to get Jesus to bypass the cross. Because he could set up the kingdom right now without having to die on the cross. Now, I think, I think when we think of Jesus, we think of him outside of his humanity, okay? We think, oh, him going on the cross, no big deal. He's the son of God. Now, right before the cross, we know in Gethsemane, he's praying, Father, take this cup from me, because he knows what's about to happen to him. But then he submits, yet not what I will, but what you will. This was the essence of the kingdom, the, the foundation of the kingdom, Here's the third thing that we know is this, is that you cannot bypass the cross to get to the kingdom of God. Or in other words, we cannot have 
the kingdom of God any other way than through the cross. Now, Jesus could have had the kingdoms of the world right there. You can try to set up something that looks like the kingdom of God, but yet doesn't save the soul of man. Now, in our, I'm going to say this, but just roll with me for a second. In our country, you can have laws, you can set up all sorts of things in government that, that mirrors what we would call the kingdom of God, but yet that doesn't save anybody. You can have a kingdom that looks like the kingdom without it really being the kingdom. Now, I'm not against things like that necessarily, but what I'm saying is don't have something that eventually, anyway, people's hearts are still far from him. You can't have the kingdom without the cross. You need the cross for the kingdom, where it's really not the kingdom of God. So Jesus rejects it and says, we don't worship anybody but God alone. Then in submission to his purpose, he goes to the cross because there it is and the kingdom is finalized, the stamp is put on it. And then Jesus says to those who follow him, now look, if you really want to live this life with me, you've got to pick up your cross. You can't have the kingdom without the cross. You've got to pick up your cross. Because in the process of that, that's really what it means to save your life because you're going to lose your life in order to have life. And in that whole wording when Jesus says these things, and he says then, because what's the good of gaining all of this if you lose this? Jesus puts the emphasis on, but I am going to stay within what the kingdom of God is. And the kingdom of God can only happen this way. Again, we think we can live the kingdom in other ways, but we got to live in the way God has set forth what the kingdom is really all about. And that's what we see in these temptations. That Jesus being faced with the tempter himself. Now, I don't know about you. The devil, again, he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's a single being. Most of us in here, probably all of us, were never specifically tempted by the devil. Let's be honest. Okay? But Jesus finds himself in those moments face-to-face with the enemy. And he leans on, this is what God says. This is the way this is to be. And I'm staying right here. I'm not going to allow the twisting of Scripture to get me to do something that I shouldn't do, right? I'm not going to allow myself to test his faithfulness. I'm not going to satisfy my flesh. And ultimately, I'm not going to serve anything else, worship anything else with my life other than God himself. For this is the way. Amen. So as people who claim to be disciples of Jesus, who say that we follow Jesus, are we aware that the enemy is trying to get us to live in a way that is not of the kingdom of God? Are you aware of that? Yes. So the life of the Holy Spirit, living in the Holy Spirit, again, being full of the Spirit, at times can make you aware of temptation, How are you aware of temptation? There's a certain conviction that grabs your life a little bit. 
should make you pause. It should make you think. It should make you grab hold of the leading of the Spirit in the moment. As this is what I should do, even if it's not obvious in sin, but the way of Jesus is the best way. Even involves me picking up a cross and following him. It's the best way. It's the only way for those that claim to follow him. That's why we got to get on what he's up to. I, listen, if it was up to me, and, and I was allowed to make the choices, it would look a lot different than that. How many know what I'm talking about? It just, man, there, there, there would be changes in this and changes in that, and I'd be applying this, and I'd be doing that, and I'd be making people do this, and I'd be making... But the whole time, Jesus is like, hey, hey, as he said to Peter, you have in mind the things of man. Remember? Peter's like, you're not going to go to this cross. We're not going to have that business. And, and he says, now watch this. What did he call Peter in that moment? He said, get behind me who? Peter was mirroring the temptations in the wilderness to get Jesus to do something other than the cross. Why not doing this business? Get behind me. Was he, was he literally saying Peter was Satan? No, but he was saying, you've got the plans of him in your mind right now. Let's, let's deal with this. It's not right. This is not what we're supposed to be doing. This is the only way. Make sure that we are people that are not trying to live this life in the things of man. Because ultimately those come from the seed of our enemy who will take you off of the path that Jesus has prescribed. But be in the things of God. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's stand up on our feet. I said this Wednesday night, I, we were talking about the devil for a little bit, this whole Ephesians 6 armor of God, the schemes of his devil. And, I, and whenever I, I, I think about this, I remember a song from the 1980s. It was some punk Christian band for some reason. I'd listen to this stuff. And one, one line in the song that I always remember, the devil is real and the devil is bad. That was just a song. Everybody, kids always said, the devil is real and the devil is bad. It's true. He's real. And he's not for your good. He's like the roaring lion that seeks whom he may devour. That, that's the work of the enemy. As we said Wednesday, you know, the devil can masquerade as the angel of light. Notice he was using scripture to tempt Jesus. My goodness. Now, don't be scared by it. Are you saved? You're marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Spirit's within you. You have in you the one who will lead you and guide you in all truth. Do not. So I'm not so worried about being deceived as I am just staying with, in step with the Spirit. If I do that, I'm going to be all right. And some of these things that, that come up that seem, will, will, they'll become obvious in a lot of ways. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that's not of, of God. I'm going to stay right here and let him prove himself. Now watch what happened at the end of that. The Bible says that the angels came and attended to Jesus after the devil left. See not. Then when Jesus left the temptation, the kingdom of God got rolling. 
right? So, tempted to turn stones into bread to satisfy your flesh, the angels came and attended him. Jesus didn't have to force it, right? Then, then the temptation to throw yourself down, and the Bible said the angels will, will take care of you. Well, the angels came and did it anyways, and he didn't have to try to push God to prove himself. And then this alternate kingdom of gaining all the cities, well, when Jesus went past that temptation, then the real kingdom of God was really launched. You see, see all the temptations that would have taken Jesus a certain way, he was attended to in all those things anyways. That's the thing. God takes care of us if we stay within what he's up to. You see that? All the things he would have been tempted to do happened anyways. My goodness. That is the faithfulness of who God is to us if we just stay in step with the Spirit, even when it doesn't seem like the best way, but it is. He does, he does what we ultimately desired anyways. You see that? What we ultimately desired, he takes care of anyways. That's what he does. But within his will, in his way, in his timing, in his wisdom, in his ways that are higher than ours, that's what he does. Stay faithful. Keep going. When you're aware of temptation, stand firm. Lean on the word. As we were saying Wednesday, spiritual warfare comes down to this simple thing. Right here it is. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. I keep going. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, let, let's, let's close out. But if, if you have um, struggles today, they, they could be buried. Struggles doesn't always mean sin. It could be a lot of different things. I would love to pray for you. So I'm closing up usually about 10 minutes before we normally do because I want to take time to do that today. Okay? Um, so I'm going to pray. And uh, as I'm praying, if that's you, I'd like you to come down here. Once everybody's down here, I'll dismiss generally for everybody, but then I'd like to spend a few moments with those that that would say that, okay? And, you know, let me, let me just say something. <clears throat> it's okay to be honest. Because I think sometimes when we come to church, um, and it's because we're worried about what people think, we have a tendency to put on faces that everything's okay. Because we don't want to be seen as somebody who's not strong spiritually. Listen, you can be strong, but still struggle. Strength doesn't mean perfection. Strength means I'm still going. You know what I mean? So just, just understand, we're, we're not here in church to pretend that we're all perfect. This, is not, this church is not a, a museum for perfected saints. It's the gathering of people that are learning to live the Jesus way together, and those aren't the same things. You see what I'm saying? So, so if you're saying, that, yeah, I've got some struggles. When I'm praying here, Come on down. Once people are down here, if anybody comes, I'll pray. We'll dismiss, and then we'll keep going. But I want to spend some time down here. So, Lord, we thank you for modeling to us to know, first of all, Lord, that you were tempted. So that's not unusual. But to show us that we can stand firm in temptation and stay on the way of the kingdom. 
So I, I pray the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is very strong in us. I pray, Lord, that we're, when necessary, we're aware of the schemes of the enemy. But we stand firm in you because you are faithful and your word is true. Lord, help us today. Give us wisdom. Guide us. For places we need direction, I pray that, that clear words are given. For those struggling with certain things of bondage, I pray in the name of Jesus those things are broken. That we live this life for you in the kingdom to the fullness of what we can until you return again. And we thank you for those things. Bless each and every one of us today as we go. In Jesus' name. <coughs> Amen. So if you, if you like prayer, please, please come down. We're dismissing today. We'll see you Wednesday night. Be blessed as you go. We'll be back next Sunday. So, so come on down, please.